0: I'm Karen Stiller. Welcome to the Faith Today podcast.
1: And I'm Bill Flodaris. Karen, can you tell us about this episode that you put together about the Mohawk Bible translation? It sounds really interesting.
2: It
0: is interesting and heartwarming, which is a great combination. So we have Harvey Gabriel on as a guest, and I will dare to say our main guest. He is the 84-year-old translator who brought the Mohawk Bible to life fully this past year, and he's joined by Jeff Green, who's Vice President of Translation for the Canadian Bible Society, and the Bible Society was a key partner in the production of this Bible. And then I have a co-host who is Phil Wegg, host of the All Things Reconciled podcast, put out by the Peace and Reconciliation Network. And Phil's interest came from his intuition and assumption that this Bible would contribute to reconciliation efforts.
1: Wow, so you had a full room of people and you heard some stories, then I can't imagine what it's like to try to translate a whole Bible. That's a long process, right?
0: Yeah, it took Harvey years, like over two decades, but he was actually building on the work of his great-grandfather who had translated the four Gospels into Mohawk into the 1800s. So, you know, listening to Harvey talk, it's just this great story of perseverance, faithfulness, belief that this work was worth doing there's a sprinkling of his wife and daughter (laughs) in the story sitting around the kitchen table bouncing off ideas about word choice and also just like encouraging him to keep going and believing in this vision he had to produce the first ever complete Bible in Mohawk. So this is a really neat story and you will hear a lot from Harvey. He just shares what it was like and you know it's just it's just a great story.
1: I feel like I'm sort of picturing the great cloud of witnesses here, you know, in Hebrews 11, right? Where Harvey's ancestors contributed to this and he did and his family did and the Canadian Bible Society did. Like that's a very encouraging example of mission, I guess, and mission partnership.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the United Church of Canada was a key player as well in terms of funding and support. So yeah, it's really beautiful and the Bible itself is beautiful. Harvey, you won't see this, but Harvey held up you know, a, a copy for us to see. It's a beautiful purple um, edition with beautiful graphic and you know everything has meaning and is very well and carefully thought out. So I think this is a great Canadian story and it is a good reconciliation story and it's a great story for the Christian community. So it was fun. Wow.
1: I'm so glad you did this and I'm really looking forward to hearing it. Thank you.
0: Well, I am very excited about this conversation. And Jeff, I'm going to ask you the first question. I'm familiar with the work of Canadian Bible Society, and I know that translation has always been a big part of what you do. Tell us why the provision of Scripture in one's own language is so powerful and so meaningful.
3: Well, at the Bible Society, we believe that God still speaks today, and one of the ways He speaks is through the Bible. So we are here to help people hear God speak. And for people whose first language is not one of the major languages of the world, that's still important for them to have the scriptures in their mother tongue, or the language that they relate to God best in.
4: Jeff, I wonder, in the process of what Harvey's done, and we'll hear from him shortly here, but in the process of what Harvey's done, why for the Canadian Bible Society was this such an important partnership? and movement. Beyond that, actually, I'm wondering if there are other Indigenous languages that the Canadian Bible Society is working in.
3: Well, for us as an organization, and as part of a family of organizations called the United Bible Societies, Mohawk actually plays a really significant role in our history. Back in 1804, the Gospel of John was translated into Mohawk and distributed in Canada shortly after as the first translation project of the first Bible Society, the parent of the Canadian Bible Society, which was the British Bible Society at the time. So it's really meaningful for us as an organization to see Mohawk through to completion here, to be invited in along with the community to help them get the whole Bible finished. We are involved in other Indigenous language translation projects and have been in many over the years. We work at the invitation of Indigenous communities and churches. It's not like we're deciding which languages to work in and which ones not to. It's when people reach out to us and tell us they'd like scripture resources in their language that we respond and help them.
0: So Jeff, you mentioned that the Mohawk, an early Mohawk translation was one of the first works done. Harvey, will you just step in and flesh out that story for us of the Mohawk translation that has been going on for like 200 years, but you brought it home. Can you tell us the story of how that came about?
2: Well, the first translation was in 1804, which I was not around, of course. (laughs) But uh, And also my great-grandfather translated the four Gospels, which I was also not around, in 1868. And then we only had translation for over 100 years. And then we used his translation with other Mohawk communities. And then I always questioned, why... Don't we have our own Bible? And then uh, I questioned my my mother in 1957 after we came home from a church service, which one of our community members became a United Church minister, and he took the service that morning, and he read Mohawk all the way, and he spoke Mohawk all the way, even reading the scripture from the pulpit. And that's the first time I ever heard Mohawk. Language in my church. So when we came home, I asked my mother, I said, How come we don't have our own Bible? She said, That would be a big project, and who's going to translate it? I said, Well, how about John? John Angus, the Reverend John Angus. But he's also a minister now to the other churches around Prescott, Ontario. He has no time. So this went on for quite a long time, maybe 30-35 years after. I decided to take a chance and translate it, but who was I? I didn't study the Bible at all, but I used my fluent Mohawk to do it. And then there was also other people that were more qualified than myself to translate the Bible, but they never did. Now, if my great-grandfather was not taken out of life uh, so early in his life, he would have translated the whole Bible, but he only translated the four Gospels. But then in 1993, retired teachers from Kahnawak, our sister reserve, about 70 miles from here, formed a committee to translate Second Corinthians, and which I, they asked me to join them because they heard that I was now reading the scriptures in church so which I was not too eager to join the group because I was not that expert on the Bible, but my wife convinced me to join them, so which I did. And at the very first meeting, they decided to tackle the Second Corinthians. A couple of us took a few chapters. I took chapter 4, 5, and from chapter 10 to the end of the book, and the other ones took the different chapters. So when that was finished, I went on to translate the book of Job. Wow. And that became my favorite book because one of my daughters, Cheryl, the one that just helped me get on the line here, reminded me a couple of weeks ago. She says, you know, the story of our legendary Ayahuatl suffered the same thing as Job. He lost three daughters and a wife in an Indian war. I said, hey, you're right. That's true. But Job suffered more with the disease, and his property is all gone, his livestock was all gone. But then at the end, he got better, and God replaced everything that he had lost. So I guess that's the story of the book of Job. If you stay faithful to God, or whatever you will lose, he will replace it at the end. That's my favorite book.
0: Yeah, that's so neat. And as you shared that that was your favorite book, I was thinking that is the power of scripture. And again, why it's so precious to have it in our heart language. And I think it's amazing that your great grandfather began this work or carried on this work, and then you brought it to completion. And what does that feel like for you? Is it as special as it sounds?
2: Well, you know, this past Sunday was a very precious Sunday service at the St. James United Church in Montreal, which I was invited to take part. And then at the end of the service, the minister asked me to say the Lord's Prayer in Mohawk. But they had brought the old pulpit from, I guess, from 1800. They brought the old pulpit and they placed it in front of the church and they had covered with a white linen and then when the woman laid me to this pulpit, she, they took off the to cover and the Reverend Banner says, there was, and he pronounces my name so nicely, everybody else pronounces my name so much, uh, that's why I appreciate. So he says, there was, this pulpit was used by your great grandfather when he used to come to preach here. And then Monday morning, I sent an email to a Royal Orr from the United Church Foundation. And I call him my friend all the time. I said, my friend, you know that pulpit made the Mohawk Bible more complete because my great-grandfather used that pulpit to preach from. It's beautiful. I couldn't believe it. My great-grandfather stood behind her. And before I said the Lord's Prayer, I told him, I said, I'm not worried to stand behind this pulpit where my great-grandfather stood. And the minister he shook his head and said, yes, you are, which I'm not. <laughs> so anyway, it's, it's a great pleasure. And uh, I had a better feeling standing behind that pulpit because that's where my great-grandfather stood than, than translating the Bible. But the Bible is good, too. And a lot of people are waiting to get this Bible. Last night I was at the wake uh, at the funeral parlor and they asked me to read something. I read it from chapter 123 in the book of Psalms, which is beautiful. So I read that last night. And then after a few people came to me, how can I get that Bible? I said, maybe in a couple of weeks when we get more Bible. You can come to my house if you, if you want to get it. So it's a great feeling to know that I can read the scriptures in my own language. You see, there's that's another thing. When you have your own Bible, reading your own language, it goes right to the heart. Mm. If I read the English Bible and I'm reading in English, it doesn't affect me as much. The meaning is not there. But if I read the, my translation of the Bible in Mohawk, it gets right to my heart. I understand every word of it and the meaning of it, so it's so precious. I work with four professors on this translation. Jeff is the last professor I ever worked with. That's why I, I tell him he made a home run for this uh, Bible. <laughs> and one of the professors, I used to go to his home in Laval when we were translating the book of Genesis. And after I translated to English to him, and him, he all, I think all the professors were checked by translation with the Hebrew. So this professor was checking the Hebrew, and after he finished, he turned around and kept looking at me. I was wondering, what's wrong with this professor? He says, brother, your translation is side by side with the Hebrew. And the only word that I could come up with, I said, wow, that's old. He said, yeah, he said, but it's a good translation. So anyway, that tells me my language is as old as the Hebrew, which is very meaningful to me to hear this professor tell me my translation was also good. It's right up with the Hebrew language, with the Bible.
4: That's beautiful,
2: Harvey. Like I said, a lot of, in the past, all these elders in the community used to go to church. They only spoke Mohawk. They don't understand what the minister is saying up front. But they're so faithful to the word of God and to the creator, they went to church every Sunday. Whether they understood what the minister was saying, but... They knew that inside that house was the presence of God, which was great. And then in 1980, I was asked to read scripture by, from our new minister. And after I read the scripture, a lot of the elders came to me. Are you gonna read again? I said, I don't know. At the time I was very shy because I, I wasn't fit to read the scriptures in church. I always uh, put myself to, to be humble before God, and, 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 and now they're asking me to read more. And that's when I realized these elders, they come in this church not knowing what the minister is saying up there. But now that I can read to them, they understood, and that's what they told me. Now you understand every word that you read. Mm, that's so powerful. So that's when I understood hey, these poor elders need help. But they're all gone now, and uh, I often think about them when I translated this Bible, it's finished. Well, what they have said, now we have our own Bible we can use. And I'm telling the young people, I didn't do it for me. It's not about me. It's about God and the scriptures and the language, of course. A lot of our young people have lost their language, but they're trying to relearn to come back. And I tell them, I said, read the Bible. It's about the language. I tell them, I said, don't take this book as a Bible. But I'm doing that as a catch to them Uh because the Holy Spirit is going to put a catch on them and it's going to pull them on his side. Sure. That's so interesting. Yeah. I said, read it as a language, as a language book. Mm -hmm. But I didn't tell them about the catch that's coming.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a good technique, Harvey.
2: Yeah. And Harvey, you've
4: described this long journey, which is an intergenerational journey and a language that predates English. It goes way back. And so it's a wonderful recovery. And I wonder if you could help us understand a bit more of the journey that had to go on inside of you. Was there a journey going on inside of you? You know, in Canada, there's lots of focus, obviously, and for good reason, on reconciling our indigenous peoples with the other peoples of Canada, those who've come much later into this turtle island. And I wonder if you could help us understand that journey for you and the the importance of this work in tying together the story that god is doing now in canada as we try to come to understand and move forward as a more reconciled people particularly christians that we are reconciled together in christ could you help us understand that journey in your own heart and your own story and family
2: well, now, since I translated the Bible, I'm getting a little better understanding about the Bible in my own language. And, and then a couple of years, a couple of weeks ago, one of the Mohawk teachers sent his students to me because he heard that I'm doing the language in the uh, There's a language in that Bible. So he says, what would you say if I sent the uh, students to you? I said, then send them over. I've been waiting there for a long time. So they came over, and then one of the teachers used the word Christian. I said, you better watch that word. Be careful with that word. Don't use it too much. If you are not really Christian, be careful. You see, when I was younger, I I listened to a lot of preachers on the TV, and one of the preacher was saying, he says, Christian means little Christ. That's what I told us group. I said, the word Christian means little Christ. So you better watch that word. Be careful not to use yourself as a Christian if you are really not a Christian. Don't compare yourself as Christ. That could be very dangerous. So anyway, and then I never thought I would be translating a Bible. But then you see, God parished, shoot me into his words. I don't mind. Because before I start translating every word, every verse, every chapter, every book, I turn to him to help me, give me the words. There are words I used in their very old Mohawk words, and this is where a lot of people are now very interested to get a hold of this Bible, and start reading, especially the young people. I said, when you get the Bible, if you run into old words, you don't, which you will not know, give me a call. I will tell you what the meaning of that word. Like my great-grandfather's translation of the four Gospels, I understood and I understand every word that he used in there. And same with my translation. Every word I use here, I, it's my word. I understand. But God helped me put that word in there. That's why I'm saying it's not about me. It's about the word of God.
0: Jeff, can I ask you uh, as I listen to Harvey talk about this beautiful, laborious work, I think, of translating scripture, I'm imagining, you know, a desk, uh, the Bible, a big piece of paper, a laptop, and literally this word by word. Process. Is that how it works, Jeff? Is it or is this just the dumbest question ever? <laughs> like is it literally that kind of word by word work?
3: Well, ideally he'd start by reading a little more than just a word at a time, a whole verse, a whole paragraph. Yeah. But yeah, I mean there's no other way to translate than little by little, right? Step by step. Yes. And okay. verse by verse, comparing different English translations, not just one. And using resources, the United Bible Societies publishes a series called Translators' Handbooks. They're like commentaries, but they address Bible translators. So the kinds of questions that might come up specifically in translation to help the translator understand the big picture and then the specific bits and pieces of each verse so that they can figure out how to express it well in their own languages. So that's how the translation goes. And then, of course, we check it. We go back and ask lots of questions and look at consistency questions from one verse to another some of the big picture issues, terminology, those kinds of things.
4: Jeff, I noticed, you know, obviously you bring a lot of expertise and you've probably worked with all kinds of different languages. And I wonder if you could help us, you know, we've heard Harvey's story. What was this process like for you walking with Harvey and watching Harvey and what has it done for you and in you to be part of this process with the Mohawk language and this wonderful, laborious, persevering work that Harvey has done.
3: Yeah. For me, I was privileged to be invited in at the end of this project. Much work went on, well, back in the 1800s, the four gospels, we've reprinted those in the current edition. And then around 1999, for about a decade, there was work going on that Canadian Bible Society was involved in, but that was before I was part of things. So then in 2020, Harvey gave me a call and asked me to help him get this Bible across the finish line. And that was right at the start of the pandemic. So we had to figure out how to work over Zoom and how to come up with ways of working that worked for the two of us.
0: What really strikes me is that this is, it feels like art and science. It, you know, it feels like it's a beautiful, act of creative work uh, but you're, you know, you're. It's still accurate, and I, I, I find it mysterious and wonderful.
2: You said word by word. What I you, what I did, I read the verse, and then the first line, and then I go back and I decide how to use it in, how to translate it in Mohawk. So if if you call that word by word, okay. But the the, the I didn't really take it as word by word. Like I said, I read the verse first. And then the first line or the second line, and then I go back and then I translate it into my own language. So it's very interesting. And, you know, when I translate, I read other books, too. And the stories, uh, the Yaraquois stories, I translate that, too. But then when I translate something, I translate by myself. I don't want nobody around me because uh, if there's too many people around the table, you'll never get nothing done. (laughs) <laughs> because they'll be throwing words here and there. Don't use that word. This is better. I don't go for that. I translate on my own, and then I bring it to the committee or to the group, and I read it to them. When I did that with the group, they all liked my translation. There was only one every so often she said, you don't want to say this, or she wanted to change my word. I said, no, but what do you want to change? What's your word? She couldn't tell me. So I said, okay, let's go on.
0: I like your style, Harvey. <laughs>
4: Jeff, I was wondering, for you personally in this type of process, and especially working with Harvey, how were you inspired or you know even changed in this process? I wonder what went on in you as you partnered with this Mohawk brother.
3: I mean, I think for any of us, when we find the things God has gifted us at and called us to, For myself, I see Bible translation as a calling. When we're operating in that, when we're we're doing the thing we think God has made us to do, I mean, there's nothing better, right? And so to be invited in to walk alongside Harvey through this, to discuss his translation with him, to be looking at the different resources in the original languages and talking about Mohawk and different ways he might think of saying something, I could really experience God's blessing during that process.
2: Uh, When we started with the group, Heart wings. I think he was he was with the Bible Society, of course. He came to join us. And he said, This group needs a Bible dictionary. So he gave us Bible dictionary. And you know, that didn't help me at all. When I was looking for some words, the Bible dictionary wasn't there. So I close it up, I put it on the shelf, it's still there. So I used my own fluent Mohawk theology, if you want to call it. So I got by, and then Jeff will agree with me. There are Mohawk words you cannot put it back into English.
0: Interesting.
2: There is such a word. Can't do it. And all the years, other professors, I did it the same thing with them. I said this word, I can't put it back into English, but trust me, the meaning is there. The professor from Laval, he says, "I trust you. If you say that meaning is there, I trust you." And I did it the same way. Jeff, I says, "There were a few words I couldn't put it back into English." And then when that happens, I go upstairs. My wife is up there with my daughter, and I tell them I can't find an English word to put it back. And I had fun watching my wife and my daughter debate over which word to come up with. You know. But eventually, we all agree there's no word. There's no English word to replace the Mohawk. So we left it as a, at that.
0: What strikes me listening to you, Harvey and Jeff, as you describe this process, is the deeply collaborative nature of this work, still led by Harvey as a, I'm going to say, solo artist, then coming back into this collaborative circle of confirmation, of checking in, you know, your wife and daughter, I love that they were Part of that around the kitchen table, I think that's how most great art happens. It may be the individual gifting, but then it's birthed in collaboration. Does that resonate with you guys, or does that feel like that's not the way it was?
2: It's a family project, I would say. Like I said, when I'm looking for English word, I, I go to my wife and my daughter, and then if they can't find the English word, okay, said so we, we stick with the Mohawk word. But then I like what Joshua says in chapter 15, I forget which verse, Joshua says, for me and my family, we work for God. That's what I told uh, my friend Royal Orr about that Joshua verse that he kept that, and he said, that's great, me and my family, we work for God, and that's the way it is. We worked as a family. All my children, when I asked them to do something, even my grandchildren, they appreciate what I did. And then if I asked them to do something, they never refuse. Like my granddaughter, Taylor, she read our celebration, and she's a very good reader. And she says she learned a lot from this project. And would you believe Jeff also (laughs) picked up some mohawk on this project? Oh, I believe it. A lot of times I was surprised. He says, how about this word? (laughs) That's coming from Jeff. He picked up mohawk.
0: That's so cool. (laughs) That's so cool. awesome.
2: Yeah, I think if we would have kept going another couple of years, he would have become a real speaker. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: well, we would love for you to read what is a familiar passage, probably for most of our listeners, and that is the 23rd Psalm. If you would read it for us in Mohawk, that would be just a beautiful thing for us to hear. We chose that because it is probably familiar to people in their own language, so let's hear it in yours.
2: This is such a big book. It took me one year to translate this book of Psalms and one year to check with the professor. So it took two years to go over this book.
0: I can hear those beautiful thin pages flipping. I I understand that this is actually, I haven't seen it, but that this this is a beautiful book just physically as an object, that great care was taken.
2: Oh, what a big book this is. Yeah, you you see the, the, the cover? Was designed by a Mohawk from Branford. The cover is, is uh, the three clans of the Mohawk. My clan is uh, is the bear. Okay. So I I tell I told this fellow, I said I like you put the bear on the top. It's not because <laughs> of me, but it's my clan.
0: <laughs> well, you did do the lion share of the work, so.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> or the bear's share. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's good.
2: Let me start the twenty third psalm. In Mohawk, Psalm means the Hurriwakwa Ta. His Saints were it. Mm-hmm. That's the name of the book. Lo yarase rakenu nages ya tenuta te te zrokata muzoni. The Lord is looking after me. I need nothing else. Rakiri wawe stone wewe tuto numbe rakato risson zinua ni kahondios. He lets me rest. Where there is nice or beautiful lawn or grass, yah kontonse aktan eji wat nagina naka nikiyo. He leads me to the flowing water, nice water or good water. Asa shunis nakatunets. He restores my soul, or he makes new my soul. Rakontonse haji dihatajan ngari huagari shumtsirap. He leads me in the righteousness Asako Nene Unka only in his in the sake of his own name. Even though I am there I'm walking where it is very dark Long rock, what can I go hang in the shadow or in the valley of dead? I take it, Saintness, that you are afraid. I am not scared of evil, as I can easily go. Because, for you are with me. So, you are done with Saintness. Now, get your staff and your cane. Really encourages me tore out in hand to the youngsters you prepare my table before my enemies. you anointed my hair with oil na get na get my cup run it over na get se what they want rats will you own my own i dunno o. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I shall live. That's the 23rd Psalm.
4: And it's beautiful, Harvey. Thank you so much for Thank you. reading that for us. And as you're reading, I'm, I'm thinking back to the day of Pentecost where the Spirit comes and you know there's people extolling. We hear the good news in our own language. Right. And the gift that your work, this very persevering work over a long period of time, and including your grandfather, is a gift of the Spirit to allow the good news to continue to be heard. And it's really a beautiful act of reconciliation in the work between you and Jeff. Harvey, I have one last question from my perspective. What has given you the most joy in this?
2: Well, I guess to see the Bible in my own language, I was able to translate it uh, the way it should be in Mohawk. And I also tell the young people that can come to me and whoever will still keep coming. I met one young person last night at the wake. I said, when are you coming back? She said, in two weeks, we're coming back. Good. And I tell them, I said, this language, this book will never be lost. I said, because Jesus says, earth and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass. I said it's in the book of God our language will be there for a long long time we might even all see it up there you know <laughs> but anyway
4: well then we can all speak mohawk and that would be a great gift
2: speaking of mohawk you know Jesus Christ has a mohawk name tell us everybody surprised when i tell them that because in the book of john first chapter verse, first first his best friend was John, and the Apostle John gave him that word, the word. And the word in Mohawk is Owana. There you go. Christ has a Mohawk name, Owana. <laughs>
0: you know? Oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you, Harvey, and thank you, Jeff, so much.
2: Thanks, Jeff. I really liked working. So it was my my pleasure, Harvey.
3: Thank you, Karen and Phil, for having us on and um, letting more and more people know about this
2: wonderful work that Harvey did. Well, that's what I would like to put it out there.
4: Well, Karen, there was so much uh, inspiring and good stuff in that and just Harvey's uh, joyful, wonderful spirit. And I wonder what you're processing as you listened, and what kind of sticks with you as a result of Harvey's story?
0: Yeah, I was really excited about this interview because of, you know, how we do a little research first, of course, and just learning about the role of his great-grandfather in translating the four Gospels. And then along comes Harvey so many years later. So there's the family piece that was, I thought, very beautiful. And even hearing Harvey talk about like his wife and his daughter and, you know, like the dinner table bit of it. I found that really beautiful, too, because that's how we live. That's how we create. It's in community and it involves people in our lives. So I, I loved that. And then When he read the 23rd Psalm, I just found that so beautiful. That's a special piece to so many of us, a special passage of scripture.
4: Yeah, and for me, then also hearing how it's impacting the next generation of Indigenous young people, people in his community, that Mohawk wider community. It's really a powerful demonstration of what one generation has to share with the next. And is very hopeful in terms of the Way in which the genuineness of and the beauty of the gospel, and the beauty of Jesus, can capture a people, and you know I'm participating in this as a, a white person whose ancestors came to uh, Canada in the 1850s, around the time that that first set of gospels was being translated, and, mm-hmm. and you know I just think we're we're on this journey together. The power of heart language is another thing that came out for me. It's this power of needing the word of God in your own tongue and how I can take that for granted. But there's such power in that that is necessary and how Jesus then uses that to get to the heart of where people are at. And so for me, it's very hopeful of what the future could look like. And then the partnership between Jeff and, and Harvey was quite beautiful as well. Seeing these multiple gifts, and it's a body work, isn't it?
0: Yeah, for sure, and I think the writer in me was uh, listening with interest when Harvey was just talking about his process, and you know telling other people to back off sometimes like <laughs> that's that's what a that's what a creative person does, you know you yeah. you bring it out for critique or whatever and but he was steering the ship, and I found that very interesting, and again, the importance of word choice. And that culturally, you know, language matters and language has weight and brings color and opens doors. And I found that very interesting and inspiring. So I would love to just sit and have coffee with Harvey and mm. learn more about it.
4: hmm And the power of what somebody who's in their 80s has yet mm-hmm. to offer the world and the kingdom.
0: Oh, um, boy. Yeah. It's
4: beautiful. I'm inspired.
0: Well, this has been fun. So this is a bit of an unusual podcast for both of us. We don't usually do podcasts together. I'm usually solely in the Faith Today podcast world. And Phil, you're solely in the All Things Reconciled podcast world. So I'm really happy we got to do this together and people can check out both of those podcasts at efc.ca and particularly find out more about the work that you're doing with the Peace and Reconciliation Network. So we really encourage you to do that and and we just thank everybody for listening and we thank Harvey.
1: Thank you for listening. Check out more podcasts and
0: subscribe to Faith Today magazine for free at faithtoday.ca. This podcast is produced by the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. If you enjoyed it, please rate or share it.